Hello and welcome to episode 204 of section 138. It is a clean four-game sweep for the Toronto Blue Jays over the Los Angeles Angels. That's the first time this season we can say that, and it comes at a big moment for the Blue Jays. It officially stops their slide, and all of a sudden, don't look now, but they've won nine of their last 12 games. They're on a roll. Bryson, how are you? Doing good, Mark. This road trip started off very bad, and we were very worried for what was going to kind of transpire on the weekend. So to kind of know that this thing turned around very quick in that St. Louis series, building up to the Angels series, all weekend long, the offense showed up, uh, that we're going to get into that today, pretty much the leading factor, keeping them in these late-inning rallies that they pretty much had throughout the entire series. This road trip turned around fast, and it ends with the first sweep of the season. Yeah, last time we talked, it was after that eight-run game against Cardinals. And yeah, that was encouraging, but what we saw in Los Angeles was on a totally different level. And I don't care. Let's look past all the numbers for right now. I just want to bring up the game that we saw today, the Blue Jays down 9-6. to Any other time this season, with the exception of opening weekend, that would be a death blow for the Blue Jays. And what do we know? They claw right back, and they end up winning this game 11-10 to to complete the sweep. To me, that moment alone encapsulates how different this team is is from what it was a week ago. Even last Monday, you talked about that terrible start to the road trip. This team is so different. So I guess the first question, what changed? What changed between Monday of last week and now six days later, Sunday, they have swept a four-game series, which is so, so tough to do. They've done it with clutch hitting. They've done it with good enough pitching. Oftentimes, the pitching being lackluster, but... What has changed for this team between the six days that they have swept a series against the Los Angeles Angels? I think it's very, I guess, simple to start it off is with the offense. You want to look at the approach. The approaches at the plate this weekend alone were completely different. This was a different team uh, offensively. They were having good at-bats. Again, they were the driving factor this weekend, something that we've been anticipating all season. It finally showed up this weekend. And when you think about it, too, when you look at their, I guess, their one-run wins, when you look at it through Friday and Saturday and you look at it today— these were different types of uh, one-run wins where we're not you know, baffling about the offense and saying how the Jays are just getting by here and there. They managed to score late, which is the reason for these wins. They were clutch, and again, it was a different feeling towards how they managed to win these games late, uh, which is very good. And I think it just starts off with the approach. If you want to look at one highlight through the weekend, I think you got to bring up Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I mean, he entered today on the Sunday with just 13 multi-walk games in his 389 MLB career. He had two bases-loaded walks today in a single day. That is insane. And then when you look at the other bases-loaded walks they had, they were patient, they weren't chasing, they were hitting up balls in the zone. It's pretty simple when you look at it. The approach was the driving factor this weekend, and you finally saw the results because, this, again, this is something that we haven't seen. You put up six runs on Thursday. Um, Friday was also a very good game. It was very tight. It was 6-5, uh, and that's pretty much, I think, or sorry, it was 4-3. Saturday was the 6-5 game. So these were all games where the offense did show up. The runners in scoring position, you know, you still don't want to jump too to, I guess, to uh, far conclusions and say they're back completely. But I think this is a good step in the right direction. We talked about it during our series prediction that something's got to give. And I think this was the, definitely the start of the right direction because the runners, runners with scoring position, sorry, were very good throughout the weekend. You were seeing clutch at-bats. Of course, they left some guys on base in different spots. But I mean, for, for the most part, they did really well. On Thursday, they went two for six with runners in scoring position. Uh, that was good enough to win with Hunjin Ryu pitching. On Friday, you go five for 12 with runners in scoring position. 
another good late inning rally to pretty much have the Jays have the go-ahead run in the ninth inning, which was huge uh, going into the bottom half when Jordan Romano came out and closed the door. And then on the Saturday game, you go 6 or 15 with runners in scoring position. And today especially, we're, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording about the starting pitching not being there in particular. They were the reason, the offense, the reason why they managed to stay in this game. If this was a game a couple weeks ago, it's very hard to imagine that the Jays were going to find a way to win this game because we know that the offense has struggled to put on runs, especially later on in the games. Pretty much the only time they've really capitalized has been early on in the game. So this was something that was different. They go in later in the game, patient at-bats, patient approaches, swinging at balls in the zone. It's a massive difference. We, we spoke about it so many times, and the results show why it was so important today you, on the Sunday game. You go 7 for 17 with Thornards in scoring position. I mentioned it with Loris Gurriel Jr. walking with the bases loaded. Different, different guys walking, being very patient at the plate. Bo Bichette had a couple good hits. George Springer had a couple good hits. Alejandro Kirk, for me, was another highlight of this series. It was very good seeing him play. So lots of pretty much... I guess, ups from this weekend, and it's really one of the reasons why they won and really one of the reasons why the offense has been so good because of that. The approach at the plate and really these one-run games were pretty much a different feeling. If you go back two weeks ago, you go back to those April games, we spoke about it. Is this sustainable? We really didn't know, and finally, I guess in the beginning of May, it wasn't. We saw that the, the downfall that we had from the bullpen, a uh, couple shakes here, and then the offense got even worse in the month of May. So again, different feeling with these one-run games to get the job done. I don't know if the offense is completely back, but it's definitely a great start uh, to get back to that point over the course of the last four days. So you don't know if they're completely back. You're not totally buying into the performance we're seeing right now? I am. I just, four games, I think we need a little bit more, but it's a great start. I think we're very close. Yeah, because I'm I'm ready to buy in completely. I think like what we saw this series was completely different than what we've seen all year. It's not just, you know, even if they put together a run of four games where they were blowing the Angels out eight to one, ten to two, you know, thirteen to one, that, those types of games. If they were blowing them out that way, even then, I don't think I'd be ready to buy into this offense. But the fact that they have been down in games and come back and then given up the lead and then come back again. I think to me that indicates that they are completely back. They are comfortable in all sorts of different situations, runners in scoring position when they need hits, runners in scoring position when they don't need hits, when it's in the clutch, when it's not in the clutch. They are doing everything right right now. And I mean, you talk about the numbers day in and day out for the Blue Jays this past series with runners in scoring position. You look at the numbers on the aggregate, um, at one point, the Blue Jays had 14 hits with runners in scoring position over their last um, previous, or excuse me, previous 13 games. And then um, the Blue Jays over the last four games had 14 hits. So they essentially tripled their offensive production and they were doing it in every sort of situation. So that's why I am completely 100% buying into what we're seeing right now. And to be honest, I don't think we need to see more to be able to buy in. We know that this offense was always going to be an offense that got going eventually. It was just a question of when. And I think what we're seeing right now is that they are officially back. So I don't know if you agree with that, but I am 100% buying in. I am no longer concerned about the offense. We can check that off the list and we don't have to talk about that on the podcast anymore. And that's been the most frustrating part is that we kept saying that we knew this was off an offensive team. We knew they were eventually going to get going, but we never actually knew when. We saw flashes. We spoke about that Cleveland series, the first game of the doubleheader. 30 minutes later in game two, it didn't work out. We saw the 
pretty much the weekend after the same thing we know about how we keep we kept saying it was going to happen we couldn't predict when it was going to happen and finally it just felt like that second game in St. Louis this week it really turned a corner for some odd reason I don't know what it was but we knew when it was going to happen it was going to happen in a flash it was going to happen fast and it wasn't going to take them much time to really get going another couple I guess highlights I had I thought Teoscar Hernandez definitely showed more signs of coming back he's hitting the ball well Matt Chapman as well had a really good series so this is like the first time all like in a while where we can go back and really point out at least five guys in this lineup that we really were impressed with we haven't been doing that we've been pretty much only been able to focus on one or two guys and then obviously the starting pitching so it's new for us we'll take it believe me I'm also with you I hope this is the last time we're talking about offensive woes and we can finally talk about this team taking that next level and um, you look at this weekend too throughout throw baseball in the division the Jays gained two games on the Yankees they're clawing their way back up towards the top of the AL East you really like to see it over their last uh, pretty much over their last 10 I think they're around eight and four they're sorry they're seven and three in their last 10 so they're on the way up they continue to trend towards that direction they're making up ground I really like where things stand right now and you got to hope it's sustainable I believe it is they have the talent to do so I just think they needed a couple games where they scored a lot of runs, and maybe that was the kickstart they needed. A lot of at-bats here and there from everybody. This is something that's finally spreading one through nine in terms of better approaches, better at-bats, because, that again, that's not what we've seen. So if the starting pitching and the offense can both click at the same time, because, again, we didn't really see that this weekend with the pitching, but, of course, after all the games that they won for us early on in the season, I think they, they deserve a pass. But once they get going at the same time as the offense at that same level – you, you got to stand clear because they're coming and they're coming fast. I'm a little terrified that it's not going to happen, though. That now that the offense is back, the uh, pitching is going to go into the of gutter. Of course, it happens. The Blue Jays are going to have, yeah, they're going to have the opposite. We knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable that once the offense got going, the instant that happened, the pitching would disappear. But one guy I want to talk about on the offensive side of things before we move into the pitching side of things is Lourdes Goriel Jr. We talked about him a little bit, but I mean, he just deserves all the praise from this weekend and from this series because he really did it all. You look at his numbers. He had three hits in the uh, Friday game against the Angels, including one RBI, and then today's game, I mean, you mentioned the two bases-loaded walks. In addition to that, he had two hits, five RBI total. When he gets going, he's ridiculous. He hits every single thing he sees at the plate, and that's why when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got the intentional walk today – I think that was a really bad decision by Joe Madden and the Angels. Not because Vladdy isn't a good hitter, because we all know he is, and he's heating up, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, maybe he has the wrist injury right now, the sore left wrist, which again, we'll get to later. But I would have much rather pitched to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when he is okay and when he is slightly unhealthy than Lourdes Goriel Jr. when he's hot. Because Lourdes Gurriel Jr., the reason he isn't an MVP-type player is because he's not all hot all the time. But when he is hot, he hits everything and is a little bit scary at the plate. So I question the decision of Joe Madden to pitch to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. instead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But bottom line, quite the series for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. When he's hot in this lineup, this lineup is so much better. Absolutely. And you go back to 2021 when he had that hot August and September. Uh, August, I think it was 868 OPS. September, October, 994. He hit seven home runs, I think, in the month of September. He was on a tear. We know this. And again, that's the problem with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's got cold spells. He's got hot spells. And I thought personally to start off the year in April, I just thought he had a lot 
of a better approach as much as the numbers weren't showing that. Uh, I mentioned that on one of the episodes that we talked about. But then when the month of May happened, he completely went cold. I mean, we, we know the numbers. They're, they were pretty ugly. And this week in particular, he just turned it around. And when he does turn it around, it's not the deciding factor in the lineup. It's just a massive boost, a massive plus in the middle of the order because we know what the top guys bring. And if he's on in the middle of the order, it's deadly and it's dangerous. So I completely agree with you. I think really the most impressive part for me was what I mentioned earlier with the bases load of walks twice today. I just, you usually don't see that from a guy like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. who's pretty much a free swinger. And um, the man, I guess how he managed to lay off of those pitches twice with the bases loaded. And we all know with the bases loaded, you want to get that, uh, that key hit. But the fact that he was patient from it was definitely more impressive or the most impressive thing throughout this weekend. And it is a deciding factor, and it's something that's long, definitely long awakened and finally coming. And then again, you, you spoke about on the Friday game, he goes three for four, and pretty much um, it was just the same thing throughout the weekend. He was one of the leading factors of it. He looked like he was, at, he was himself out there. And, um, you know, on the Sunday game again, we know what he did, and that's why I hope it continues. We were talking about this. It's got to, you know, I'm worried that, like you were saying, the pitching may not be up there with the hitting now. I just think when they're both on at the same time, and hopefully this is the case, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. continues to play uh, at a at an elite level, then it's going to be huge for this team that's got to get going. I mean, we talked about it, a successful weekend, a successful road trip of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. You know, can keep this up. I'm not saying he's going to do this every single game, but you know what I mean in terms of just staying hot and staying in rhythm throughout the rest of May as we head into June. It's definitely an important factor of this team, especially because of the middle of that order, because we know that guys like Teoscar Hernandez are still trying to get going. We know that guys like Danny Jansen is kind of being used in the middle of the order now because of how well he's been playing. That's another guy who had a really good weekend. It's really good with the options they have. They can put Gurriel in the middle of the order. You can also drop him to the bottom of the order, and it really makes that lineup much more deeper because everyone is on at the same time. So that is huge just because when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. really was struggling the last couple of weeks, he just looked completely lost, and it really didn't look like there was an end in sight. And that's pretty much been the problem with this offense as a whole. So when this did happen, and it happened in a snap of the fingers, it was great. It was just amazing to see the turnaround, and now you hope that he doesn't look back. But he is definitely one of those guys in the order who I wouldn't say is underrated. I just think, and I wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I just think sometimes he's not mentioned all the time when you when you talk about those guys in the order. So when he's spoken about and when he's, I guess, acknowledged for how good he does truly play, it is a massive, I think, deciding factor in this lineup. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget how hot he can get when he's cold because his cold stretches are oftentimes brutal and very tough to watch as a fan. Because he, you know, he has this long swing, he's chasing pitches, he's taking ugly cuts in the box. It's brutal to watch when he's cold, and it can be easy to forget how good he is when he's hot. Because when he's hot, he runs really, really hot, and we're seeing that this weekend. And yeah, hopefully it can continue. And yeah, just on the offensive woes as a whole, it was never going to be one guy getting going. It was never... Lourdes Goriel Jr. gets going and the offense is complete. It was never Danny Jansen hits three homers in two games and the offense is complete. It was always going to be a little bit of getting hot from everyone in the lineup, and that's what we're starting to see. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Danny Jansen, Lourdes Goriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, all these guys putting up good numbers. Even someone like Matt Chapman starting to get going a little bit, even though he is still hitting below 200. It's all those little bits and pieces that get the Blue Jays going and we're finally seeing it. And yeah, I guess the opposite side of all this offensive success is the pitching. And we talk about how incredible it is to see the offense 
comeback deficit after deficit after deficit. I mean, we saw it today. Blue Jays win 11-10. to Seemed like the lead changed 10 times over the course of the game. Yesterday, Saturday night's game, the lead changed five times over the course of the game. As incredible as it is to see the offense pick up the slack, the only reason that they need to be in those situations and coming back all the time is because the pitching hasn't been stellar. Um, Particularly today in the series finale, it was Jose Brios and the bullpen obviously not holding their weight. Ryan Barucki giving up two runs in an inning of work. Ross Stripling, who writ large has been solid this series. He had the save, um, but he gave up a run in 1.2 innings of work. And then Adam Simver giving up a run. So as incredible as it is to see the offense get going, there are bones to pick with the pitching staff right now. It hasn't been perfect, and the reason that the Blue Jays have been required to score 11 runs in a game is because they have to bail out the pitching staff. We could be here talking about a very different series if the offense didn't get going in time. So, yeah, I guess just overall thoughts on the pitching, the bullpen, your level of concern. Now that we're done talking about concern with the offense, let's talk about concern with the pitching staff. Pretty crazy how we had a quick turnaround going from this now to the pitching. But look, I think as much as it did struggle throughout the weekend, and I think, first of all, I think to start it off, I think I'm, if I was to say I was more concerned, probably with the bullpen more, just because, and I think, you know, you look at today's game, they were really short on guys, and it was really, you know, you needed that extended outing from Jose Barrios, and you didn't get that. So when that kind of happened, when you got pulled, you just, you didn't have a good feeling, but they managed to, thank goodness, sweep the series. But when you look at, I guess we'll start with the starters on Thursday. I mean, we we know that the expectations have dropped for Hunjin Ryu. I thought he was fine through five innings, uh, two Two run runs, striking out one. That's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that from Hunjin Ryu. Alec Manoa, of course, I thought he was really good on Friday night as well. Um, but, you know, the bullpen, a couple lead changes here and there. We were talking about it. But for the most part, I think on Friday, they kept the lead. After Alec Manoa was pulled, he only had two earned runs. He struck out nine. That was really sharp from Alec Manoa. So really, the only concerns kind of maybe transpired a little bit more in the back end of this series. Um, I think that's kind of where... You know, you look at it and then you kind of question a little bit more. You want to talk about um, on Saturday's game. So, you know, first of all, shout out to Adam Simber, who continues to win games out of the bullpen. I think he's leading the league now with six wins. Correct me if I'm wrong, but congratulations to him. But on on the Saturday game, you got Yusei Kikuchi pitching. He goes five innings, a lot of base hits. But that's kind of something that we've seen this year from him as much as he's turned it around. He gets... Into a, I wouldn't say trouble. He just doesn't have a lot of one, two, three innings. So he gives up a lot of base runners, but he gets out of it. And then, of course, Julian Merriweather was, I think, a topic on pretty much on the Saturday game. A lot of people were questioning. I guess I'll ask you after I'm done is, do you agree with, I guess, when Merriweather was put in the game? Because that's when he came into the game. And I believe it was Mike Trout who took him deep and pretty much tied the game with the home run. Or it might have been a go-ahead home run before the Jays tied it later on. And then he hand things off to Simber Richards. They were clean. Jordan Romano comes out on the Saturday game and uh, closes the door on that. But is, Or on, sorry, on the Saturday game, too. Jordan Romano... There was concern there because this was the third straight day where he pitched. I think his velocity didn't even reach 94 on his fastball. So as much as they did slam the door in the ninth inning, Ross Stripling actually had to come out and bail out Jordan Romano, who had a lot of issues. So the workload with Jordan Romano, you know, we know that he's pitched three times before consecutively, but maybe it's a little too early to do that. But again, we know that the bullpen was kind of short and running on fumes this entire weekend. So this off day tomorrow is going to be very crucial for them. So 
that's another thing where you kind of look at and you scratch your head a bit about. I'm not concerned about Jordan Romano. I just think that when he's pitching three days in a row this early, as much as you need him, you know, clearly his body didn't react to that. And you saw it with his velocity, which dropped. And then, of course, in today's game, Ryan Barucki was pretty much a topic of conversation. He comes out right away, and uh, he couldn't get any outs. I mean, he 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 get or he did get a couple outs, but he ran into a lot of trouble. And that's pretty much what happened with that. He hasn't looked sharp. He didn't look sharp in the St. Louis series. I spoke about that with you guys about, you know, the whole Paul Goldschmidt thing. If you guys agreed, um, if he should have been pitching in that certain situation, he comes out. He's got a lot of, lot of trouble again. It just feels like he's not hitting the strike zone and he's struggling to hit the strike zone. So that's a problem uh, for that. But again, at the end of the day, there's a couple highlights from this. Adam Simber came on today in the Sunday game. He gave up a home run, but he pitched a lot this series. So I personally give him a pass. But at the end of the day, I think it goes back to the same thing, that this team is still missing that swing and miss guy. So we'll see when they do move on that because it's almost a guarantee that they are going to be acquiring maybe one or two starting pitchers or sorry, relievers for the bullpen. So a couple guys here and there, a couple of decision-making. I don't know. Again, I'll ask you about the Merriweather thing. If you agreed with that or not, a little bit of a head scratcher of Julian Merriweather should be pitching in these high leverage situations. But for the most part, the starting pitching was fine except for the Sunday game with Jose Barrios. He's just, we know the story about him this year. He's shown flashes of his 2021 self. He's been a little bit shaky in other starts, and today was another day where he was very shaky. We know that he just, he hasn't been consistent this year, and it hasn't been the same Jose Barrios so far that we saw in 2021. So that's a little bit, I'm not concerned with Jose Barrios, but I think it's something that is definitely notable. But for me, out of both of the starting pitching in the bullpen, you got to pay more attention, obviously, on the bullpen this weekend. I will say I think I'm a little bit more concerned about Jose Brios than you might be. Um, not the rotation writ large. I think the rotation is largely fine. And, you know, we've been over that. Ryu coming back, being solid. Yusei Kikuchi turning things around. And then, obviously, Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa leading things at the front of the rotation. Jose Brios doesn't have to be an ace, but his numbers on the face of it might not be terrible, Behind the scenes, I think they're looking a little bit worse. You take a look at his baseball savant page. There's a whole lot of blue on there, and blue is not good. Um, You look at average exit velocity, he's in the 10th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 13th percentile. Um, Expected ERA, he's 4th percentile. So you're talking the bottom 120th of guys in the major leagues. He's expected to have that type of ERA. Expected batting average is bottom third percentile. Those numbers are scary. And that's why I'm a little bit concerned with Jose Barrios. We know he's not the ace. He's not supposed to be the ace. But those numbers give me a little bit of a cause for concern. And even if you're just looking at plain velocity and spin rate, those aren't ideal either. Fastball velocity is 56 percentile. He's not a hard thrower. He's not a guy who pumps heat. But you look at his fastball spin, 43rd percentile. Curve spin, 23rd percentile. Those are the type of numbers that scare me a little bit. Again, rotation not being the problem, but that's why Jose Brios sets off a couple red flags for me in terms of him not being quite who he needs to be. Again, not the ace of this rotation, but a guy who's going to be in there and give you solid innings. But before we move on, I want to tell you a little bit about DraftKings. Um, We've been talking about them every week. They have officially arrived in Ontario. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops. And obviously, 
baseball. And now that the Jays offense is going again, and I think, I mean, we'll get to this later in the episode. Um, I think they're going to do pretty well in this series against Chicago. So I would recommend putting some money on the Jays for this series. Um, you can bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more, and you can do it now anywhere in the province. So join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. And right now with the NHL, NHL playoffs going on to celebrate the pursuit for the cup, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of of betting markets for all their customers. So get un- excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. Go to the App Store and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on all the action only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call Connex Ontario, 1 866 531 2600 19 plus. Physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. DraftKings operates pursuant to an opening agreement with iGaming Ontario. The bullpen is a whole other conversation. And I think part of the reason why we saw it struggle so much this series, particularly in the final game where they were charged with, you know, four earned runs and towards the end of that game really costing the Blue Jays. I think part of the reason is because they are exhausted. You talk about how used they were in the earlier games in the series. The Blue Jays used six pitchers in back-to-back games, Saturday and Sunday, and that is far from ideal. Um, they couldn't go to Jordan Romano in that final game. They couldn't rely on Ross Stripling for a lot of innings as a long man in Saturday or in Sunday's game because he came in even if it was only for one out in Saturday's game. He did end up pitching 40 pitches on Sunday, but I think the exhaustion is a big factor of this. Um, and clearly there's some guys who need to step up, step up or lose their jobs and get replaced by a trade or a call up because there are some people in this bullpen bullpen that are not effective. Just bottom line. I mean, we talk about Ryan Brucky. I think it's probably time for the Ryan Brucky experiment to end. It's not working. He is in there. He's gotten his opportunities. For some reason, he's in love with his slider. We saw him throw more fastballs today, but that didn't work. We've seen him time and time again come into games and struggle. And you bring up Julian Merriweather. Yeah, maybe Charlie Montoyo shouldn't have gone to Merriweather in that situation. But again, it's exhaustion. I'm not sure how many other guys the Blue Jays have to go to in those situations. Two things need to happen. Either these guys need to step up, Rocky, Merriweather, whoever else you want to add to those lists, but I think those are the two big culprits that have been used a lot and haven't been effective. They either need to step up or get demoted and get replaced via trade or calling up someone else because clearly they're not working. And yeah, you can blame exhaustion. You can blame the overuse, but at some point you have to have something better than them. You can't have them coming in and getting into trouble day in and day out. So Something has to change on that. We saw the Blue Jays last season pull the trigger early on a couple of big deals for Trevor Richards and Adam Simber. It paid off big time for them, and I think we may be in a similar situation this year. It's not as urgent as it was last year, but you would like to see them make a move for the guy that you mentioned, Bryson. Kind of that swing and miss guy that they don't have in the bullpen outside of maybe Jordan Romano 
They don't have that guy, and they need another one of them in the bullpen. And I think it'll have a trickle-down effect where if they get them, they can bump Adam Simber down an inning. They can bump Trevor Richards down an inning. Tim Meza, I think, factors into this conversation as well because if he's in that bullpen, it's a much better bullpen, but they can bump him down an inning. All these pitchers get better, and the Blue Jays get better exponentially when you add just one guy. So that's something that I would like to see this team do because right now, Ryan Brucky, Julian Merriweather, they are not pitching as good as a Major League Baseball player on the Toronto Blue Jays should. Yeah, and that's been, I think, when you there's a lot of factors to this. I think the Tim Mesa thing in relation to the Brucky thing, you know, you're right. His absence is clearly noted, and it's clearly something that they truly miss because you're reverting to Ryan Barucki. I spoke about the St. Louis thing. You look at today, I think besides Barucki, or everybody, I think, in the bullpen from today's game gets a pass besides Barucki. And we were talking about it because he's just all season. I don't know what's been going on with him. We know that he's pitched a lot better in the past, but it just hasn't been going well for him this year. And I do agree with you. I think that it, it's probably time to go or look at a different option. Um, but, of course, we know we've, we've spoken about this before is that the problem is is there isn't a lot of internal options. We know that Nate Pearson, again, is on the way back, and um, we know that Tim Meza will eventually come back. So I don't know if Barucki stays until Meza's back or they make maybe make a move beforehand. I mean, you look at who they have in Buffalo right now. We spoke, you know, we, we know a guy very familiar, Trent Thornton, but he's a righty. We know that Derek Holland, I mean, this, the guy that uh, the Jays signed a few weeks ago, I don't know if he's ready, uh, but I know that he did report to AAA Buffalo. There's a couple other guys that you can maybe give a chance to, but that's just the problem is that when you lose to Mason, how effective he's been and how much the Jays rely on him, you can see the difference in terms of, you know, when you go from somebody like him, with all due respect, to somebody like Ryan Barucki, it's a pretty big drop-off, and you've seen that. He hasn't been comfortable. You were talking about his slider. You've been talking about his location, you know, you know, we were talking. We were talking about blurred vision with Ryan Barucki, and that he was wearing glasses pregame, but he didn't wear it on the mound. So I don't know what was going on with that. But I agree with you on that one. Um, they need a swing and miss guy. I don't know how early they act. I think you and I think you're right. Obviously, is that this isn't something nearly as bad as it was last year because last year it was pretty much a necessary thing in terms of them to even you know, have a chance to win games because we spoke about all the times they had when they blew games, but they're still finding ways to win games now at this part of the season. So, you know, you have guys like that. I mean, you know, you look at the rest of the bullpen from today, uh, Jimmy Garcia, I think it was, a, it was a guy that's kind of been up and down. It seems like he pitches a lot better when he gets two plus days of rest. I think in terms of splits, he's only allowed one earned run in with two plus days of rest against 37 batters compared to when he doesn't have more than one day of rest, he allows six run runs. So this is uh, going back to your point. It's exhaustion. I think a big part of it, it's the workload. And I don't know if that had an influence to maybe why Julian Merriweather pitched on that Saturday game. But I just, when I first saw him come into the game, I don't think we were exactly confident whatsoever because as much as Julian Merriweather is a guy that, you know, Jays fans have been very high on. He showed a lot of potential that first series last year in New York. He got injured for most of the season. He came back. He wasn't quite the same. You kind of give him a pass because of the amount of time he missed. You give him another chance this year. He's not obviously the same pitcher you saw last year, and maybe that's just who he truly is. I just don't know why he's still in those high leverage roles, and if fatigue was a factor for the rest of the guys, you obviously have to take that into consideration. So I think that's got to end. I think Ryan Barucki 
probably has to end as well. Those are two guys right then and there that I'm not happy with completely at all. And I think that fatigue is definitely a huge impact because you, you've seen it. I mentioned the Jimmy Garcia splits, and then you've seen guys like Adam Simber gave up a home run today. I just think he gets a pass for that because of the workload. You were talking about it. The guys on back-to-back days, it's just you needed that extended outing from Jose Barrios. You didn't get it. And, you know, I wouldn't say we were all panicking, but we were definitely a bit worried when he was coming out of the game uh, that early. And that you you pretty much knew that the Jays had to revert to the bullpen for most of the game. You know, Ross Stripling's been pitching a lot. You spoke about it. And that brings me back to the Jose Brios thing, because I agree with you. I think he's got to be a lot better. And we just we've seen him be a lot better than this before. But the one thing that's been very constant this season, even when he's had good pitching lines, and I think today was a very um good example as well as the hard hit contact like he was getting absolutely rocked early on no matter if it was a, even if he was getting outs uh the angels were hitting him really well they figured him out really early there was a lot of solid contact so i don't think i'm as close to you know i'm not on the same level as you in terms of concern but i'm definitely inching towards that and i definitely see why you are concerned i have i think we all have you know a little bit of faith that he can maybe turn this around and he's a lot better than what he's been showing. And quite frankly, the Jays need him to turn around because we spoke about it, is that Yusei Kikuchi is still in work in progress. Hunjin Ryu is that four starter that you don't have a lot of expectations for in terms of high ceiling anymore. And that brings you down to Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa, who have been brilliant this year. If Jose Barrios can get on track because we've seen him get on track, but it hasn't been consistent, then the starting rotation is going to remain as impactful as it has been. So the, the bullpen is definitely, in terms of both of those things, um, the greater area of concern. Um, and then of course you have a couple guys and outside of that, you just don't, it just, it doesn't make sense to me how some guys are pitching in the leverage situations they are. But again, if it comes down to the fatigue, like you were talking about, then I guess you got to, you know, give Charlie Montoyo somewhat of a pass on that. And if it isn't, then they need to change it up. And especially those two guys in terms of Merriweather and Baraki, I think you need to explore other options for those two because those two have had so many opportunities. And I think Julian Merriweather is a guy that's had the most opportunities to come in in high leverage situations, and he just can't get the job done. I will also say, to be generous to the Blue Jays pitching staff, the Angels are a really good offense. Um, and that is obviously another factor that plays into all of this. Um, they are fourth in baseball by offensive war, um, behind only the Dodgers, Mets, and Astros. And compared to some of the other teams that the Blue Jays have been playing lately, I mean, the Cardinals have a highly ranked offense, but you look at the Reds, obviously they're bottom of the barrel. You look at the Mariners, they haven't been hitting so hot this season. The Rays are middle of the pack offensively. Um, The Yankees are obviously a team that's right up there. They're a couple notches below the Angels in terms of offensive war by fan graphs. But point being, the Angels are the toughest offensive team the Blue Jays have seen in quite a while. So I think that's another thing that plays into this. Obviously, the performance of the bullpen is inexcusable, and the Blue Jays, if they hope to do anything this season, are going to be playing teams that have really good offenses, and they got to pitch against them. But I think that's a factor that plays into this, and we can be a little bit nicer on the pitching staff, I guess, if you want to put it that way, than um, totally ripping them for their performance this week. Um, And yeah, like, I mean... (laughs) I don't know, we're sitting here spending half the podcast talking about how much the Blue Jays suck, and they just swept a four-game series against quite a good team in the Los Angeles Angels, so we can't complain too much. This is obviously a good position to be in, and we are over the moon with the performance we've seen this last week. Um, I guess the other piece of negative news that we should talk about is 
a couple of the more minor injuries that came up this weekend. Thankfully, nothing major, but Charlie Montoyo has mentioned, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. didn't start today dealing with left wrist um, soreness, and then Teoscar Hernandez and Danny Jansen, neither of whom started today as well. Teo and Danny both dealing with hip issues. Um, These shouldn't be long-term issues. They shouldn't generate concern at all, but obviously there's something that bring the Blue Jays down in the short run. I don't know if you have any insights on it. I'm not really concerned about this. Even if Danny Jansen is out, Alejandro Kirk has been strong this season. Even if Teo is out, yeah, you have to go to Ramil Tapia and Bradley Zimmer. We, you know, we saw both of them in today's game, and that wasn't ideal. But there are worse positions to be in, and if everyone else is hitting, to me it's not a huge impact. And obviously, if we were talking about him, Teo going back on the IL, yeah, you'd be concerned. But right now, the position the Blue Jays are in, meh, I'm not too worried about it. And that's part of the reason why I think I guess Kevin Biggio came back to this roster this weekend because we know that there was a lot of scheduled days off for guys. You, sp- you spoke about it, or George Springer had a scheduled day off. We you spoke about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Danny Jansen. And first of all, that makes a lot of sense now because when you looked at the lineup card today, it didn't make sense that Rymel Tapia and Bradley Zimmer were back-to-back, especially Tapia in the DH. But a lot of people were kind of... I wouldn't say furious, but questioning the decision of why Danny Jansen was not remaining in the lineup after the hot bat that he's had. So that makes a lot of sense now. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, you know, this is the last thing he needs as much as it's probably a minor thing. He needs to get going again. I think we're starting to see him turn the corner a bit. And for him to go back in the I.L., I think that's the last thing you need to see. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Obviously, it was pretty precautionary, if anything, because he was good enough to come off the bench today, and he was obviously going to hit be, be, or before he was intentionally walked, and then he stayed in the game as a first baseman. So this is just the wear and tear, um, obviously, of the, the uh, 162 season, and we knew, or I guess the Jays knew of this going into the, uh, the series again, because somebody like Biggio, who can pretty much play all over the diamond, I mean, he was playing in the outfield this series, he was playing at first base, so... I think this was something that was planned because they knew it was kind of just a few things that were nagging them, but we're far from, um, you know, a major area of concern. You have an off day tomorrow as they come back to Toronto. So I'm not concerned whatsoever, but I do like how as much as you don't like to see Springer out of the lineup uh, and, you know, at this point as Jays fans, whenever he's out of the lineup, you're a little concerned just because of the history that he's had, but it was a scheduled day off. He was back in today. So that's all it was. Thank goodness. And if you're going to keep George Springer healthy, I'm fine with it. We spoke about this in terms of the load management, especially for a guy like Springer that he's going to have. And then for, you know, guys like Danny Jansen, Teoscar Hernandez, for guys that have already been on the injured list, be cautious with them. I'm completely, completely fine with that. And as well as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, you want him to be in the lineup every day. I'm sure he wants to play every day. Don't make it any worse than it is. I'm fine with the day off they had. And Biggio, you know, a guy that's pretty much been struggling all season. He gets another opportunity. I thought he had a lot better of a series as much as he still isn't to, you know, the level that we've seen him in the past. He did a really good job filling in. And I'm glad that the Jays definitely, you know, worked this worked through this in terms of scheduled days off this weekend. Yeah, and in terms of giving Gladi a day off, as much as it sucks, as much as you want him to play 162, I think I think we talked a little bit about this last year, but I think part of the reason why he struggled so much in July and August and a little bit in September was because he played every single game and because he was tired and exhausted by the end of the season. And I think this year, 
in an ideal situation, the Blue Jays can manage his workload a little bit better and give him scheduled off days throughout the year, whether it's just cycling through the DH spot or giving him a full off day as we saw today and make sure he is performing sustainably and healthy down the stretch for the Blue Jays when they need him. And hopefully today's game and the times we've seen him cycle through DH and obviously the Blue Jays off days the last couple days, hopefully that is getting him into a position where he can stay healthy, stay MVP caliber offensive production for the entire season. And yeah, Kevin Biggio, another guy activated or called up from AAA after his brief stint there. And yeah, if you look at the numbers for him, three hits in a four-game series doesn't seem spectacular until you consider the fact that he only had one hit in his entire previous almost a month with the team in the month of April. So yeah, league's better for Kevin Biggio. And if he can turn into that guy who can play everywhere on the field, which we know he can already do, but actually provide at least a little bit below major league average offensive production, I'll take that any day of the week. Any day of the week to have him doing that would be incredible. So um, just some final thoughts from listeners for this episode. Um, CB underscore J88 says, definitely a good confidence booster, but again, bullpen needs reinforcements. Yeah, the Blue Jays need to make a move at some point. Again, not urgent, but they do need additions there if they hope to be competing against teams like the Yankees that already have a huge lead on them in the AL East. Um, Alex Mercer says, offense finally arrived. Time to take over the league. And uh, that's hopefully how we're all feeling. We're going to manifest that. And I guess we'll get to series predictions in a minute here. But we're hopefully going to be coasting for this next series. And then um, Talks Ready 001 says, Amazing, so much offense in this series. Don't like the one-run games, though. Even if the Blue Jays' offense is going, they cannot escape the one-run wins. They do it over and over and over again. Um, okay. It's the time of the episode for series predictions. The Blue Jays have three against the White Sox, right? What are you thinking? Three against the White Sox. Um, you see Lucas Giolito on Tuesday against Kevin Gosman. That'll be a good matchup. You got Kopik on Wednesday against Hunjin Ryu. And then Thursday's Johnny Cueto, who's been off to a really good start ever since joining the, the White Sox rotation a couple weeks ago against Alec Manoa. That's two straight series for me that I've been right, I guess, or technically right. But both of us, we were right this week, and we both said three to four. We said that's something I had to give, so we're both on a, a good streak, I think, over the last week. I'll say they win two out of three. I'm very confident with it. The White Sox aren't the same team as last year. I think they were overrated last year, and I think we're finally seeing more, a little bit more of them down to earth this year. As oh, much as okay. as much as they are better than their record, they are. They're better than 23 and 23, but... I just think this isn't the same White Sox team as last year. Two out of three, easy for me, I think, this series. Okay, I'm going to check how they've done in their last 10. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 compared to the Blue Jays. Blue Jays 7-3 and three have won five in a row. And once, one thing, Mark, Tim Anderson is going on the I.L. Oh, okay. Yeah, he got injured um, today. Dare I say three of three? Whoa, you're calling a sweep? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, and I'm Luis, confident Luis right Robert now. is still on the COVID IL, so I don't know if he's going to be back or not. So there's a couple things that they're dealing with. Yeah, and Eloy Jimenez is still on the IL. I know he's uh, he's rehabbing, so he's making his way back. But right, maybe it's possible that he joins the team for this series. I don't know. Totally his status, but I'll say a sweep. Why not? 
Uh, we'll see if it happens. That if the if the Blue Jays do it, it'd be eight wins in a row, and that'd be quite the stretch for them. Yeah. Then just a final standings check in. If we care, I know it's May. It doesn't matter. But uh, Blue Jays five and a half back of the New York Yankees, who lead the AL East. The Rays are between the two teams. <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely, the Rays are in between the two teams. They're four and a half back. Um, and then the Red Sox picking up steam a little bit. They're ten back. But, of course, the Blue Jays have also picked up steam at the same time. So they're they're keeping their distance between them. So, yeah, then the the Orioles. But we don't need to mention them. Uh, okay, that's uh, that's everything for this week. A lot more fun to be talking about the Blue Jays when they are sweeping good teams as opposed to losing against terrible teams. So compared to where we were a week ago when we were talking about that series against the Reds, we are in a much better position and the Blue Jays are in a much better position. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, you can support us by finding us on social media. That's at Section138Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, you can also head over to Apple Podcast, head over to Spotify, and give us a rating and review. Just to help spread the word about everything we're doing here. Um, yeah, three against the White Sox. Off day tomorrow that the Blue Jays will be enjoying before the series gets going. Keep the good vibes going. We'll catch you then.